and welcome to episode 90 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Oh, you do. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Rita Welch. Adele Swindles. Carrie Antonero. Josie Welch. Joanna Ferguson. Marcia de Block Devenich. Amy Crawling. Tiny T and Molly the Cat. Monique Marsh. Amy Kowalowski. Melissa Baldwin. Ben Lurie. Marissa Remack. Chelsea Baker. Katie Embry. Liv. Sarah Gaskell. Tom. Leanne May. Tammy Steger. Rebecca Laura. And Caitlin Kramsky. Thank you so much, guys, for signing up to our Patreon. We really, really appreciate it. And we also have a key worker shout out this week. The shout out this week goes to Rachel, who is a paramedic in Whittlesea, Melbourne, Australia. She's been working on testing sites around Melbourne for months, putting her health on the line with a smile on her face and a laugh for everyone. She's a dead set legend and I love her. And that comes from Sarah Newman. We also love you. We do. And we Just thank so you every, all of you key workers that are out there listening. The ones that we've mentioned before, the ones that we're yet to mention, the ones that we're never going to mention. Thank you for everything that you do. We appreciate it massively. Our film review this week. Our film review is the classic Poltergeist. Poltergeist was released in 1982. It has 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb and 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Shoot. A dream home becomes the house from hell as evil spirits rise up to possess the soul of an innocent child. What were your thoughts on this film? I mean, that synopsis sounds very dramatic, does it not? It is a very dramatic film. It is a very dramatic film, yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think I jumped once. So I don't know whether it was particularly scary, but I think that's due to do with the time that it was made. So apparently Steven Spielberg lobbied for it to be a PG film when it was first released, which you can understand because yep. he was all about the family film. And I would I would call this a family horror. Oh, absolutely. It's brilliant. I haven't seen it for years and I'd forgotten how good it is. It's so entertaining. It is. Is it scary? Not really, no. I mean, it depends how young your family is because I can imagine it'd be quite traumatising if you're like six or something. So maybe choose your family members if you are going to watch it with family, but... Yeah, I think if you had um, teenage or maybe preteen children, absolutely. But yeah. if you've got a little one who's going to be convinced they're going to get sucked into the closet or dragged under their bed by a clown, probably not the best idea. Yeah, oh, it was great. It was it's classic Spielberg. I think the full movie podcast said this when they were talking about Jaws on their episode about Jaws, about Spielberg always making family films and it being really like a, a trait of his. And you can see that again in this. He does all these little side things about the family. Well, family was really important. And I think Steven Spielberg's divorce of his parents really impacted him. And that was why he spent... Uh, Where's my wife? Where's this film knowledge coming from? I don't know why I know that, but I do. (laughs) I'm sorry, okay? (laughs) But yeah, apparently the, the divorce of his parents really impacted him. And he spent a lot of time trying to portray family dynamics in his films. And I really like the mom and the dad in this. Often in family things, the dad comes across as a bit of a dingbat. and i don't think he did in this like i thought they were both like they were just cool parents they were and it showed the dysfunctionality of normal families really well the mum and dad just get absolutely stoned in the evenings when their kids are gone to bed and they're giggling like teenagers and i loved it i thought that that to me was really funny and then there's a great moment where the little one is watching the static on the tv which you know 
is her way of communicating with the the others, yeah. the things that are in the house. And the mum walks by and she's like, oh, don't, don't watch that, Caroline. It's really bad for you. And then she turns over the channel and puts on this like really violent war film for the little one to watch. But there's loads of little subtle jobs, uh, sort of little subtle jobs, that's not what I meant, little subtle jokes in this film. Because there's, I think the, the teenage girl is actually quite rebellious. And when they said, like towards the end, when they're talking about going to uh, the Holiday Inn, she goes, oh yeah, I remember that one. And they all, both the parents look at her as if to say, how do you know about this holiday and then she changes the subject <laughs> it's really it's really good and it, it plays on like childhood fears like when you're a, you're a kid and like a thunderstorm is the scariest thing that can mm. happen there is always a toy in your bedroom that really freaks you out yeah always th- okay i need to say something about this there is always a toy in your bedroom that freaks you out however if i'm a parent and someone gives my child this clown it's not going in their room it's not coming in my house it's going straight on a big bonfire. Yeah. I wouldn't even really it that. It's a very frightening clown toy. Very frightening. This is a really fun film. And I can imagine like sitting around Halloween with your, as I said, pre-teenage or teenage yeah. kids all together watching this film. Because it's fun, but it's also chaotic and it's messy. And the psychic that comes in at the end is one of the best characters I've ever seen in a film. I also think that it potentially was scarier when it came out because the effects would have been at the top end during that time, whereas now they look very dated. It's very Ghostbusters-y it's now. It's Ghostbusters, original Haunted mansion E, that kind of dodgy, not-so-scary CGI. But there's some good moments in it, and there is one jump scare that got me. So what would you give this film out of five? Four and a half. Why no, four. You... Four. Why, why Four. I think it's one of those films that I'd watch if it was on, but I don't know whether I'd necessarily go out of my way to watch it again. No, I have to say, actually, I agree. I wouldn't be like, oh, yes, let's watch Poltergeist again. But I did really enjoy it. And for its time, it's it's a very interesting film. There's also loads of spooky things associated with the film. We might talk about it in an episode someday. Like there, there's a lot of people who claim the film is cursed for various reasons one of which is you didn't tell me that before you put it on one of which is the fact that apparently this the prop skeletons that come out of the pool towards the end are real skeletons and not actually props because for some Mm. reason it was cheaper to get or cheaper to get real skeletons rather than get prop skeletons so it was really really interesting lore behind the film itself so our story this week is one that I can guarantee that you haven't heard of. But it had its moment in the sun, in the British media. I don't know if it spread to worldwide. In the actual sun. In the actual, as in it burst into flames. Oh. (laughs) It's an interesting story. What are your thoughts on water? I think it's probably my favourite beverage. Interesting. Yeah. Also very boring. It is very boring, but it's the only thing that will really quench your thirst, I believe. Is there ever a time that you would find water scary? Uh, yeah, if I was in the middle of the ocean and surrounded by it and just swimming and no way of getting out of it. God, well, that was very dark very, very quickly. We did say we find finding water scary. Yeah, I know, but I don't know if I expected <laughs> you to say that. I didn't really think that question through, <laughs> <Okay>. clearly. <laughs> so for our story this week, we are going all the way to Rochdale in Manchester. Greater Manchester. Are you ready? Yes. In recent years, paranormal investigators have too often been the butt of the joke. As ghost hunting TV shows become more popular, they've also become increasingly more bizarre 
and Hollywoodized. And it's sometimes difficult to decipher what is earnest investigation and what is simply good TV. Manchester's Association for Paranormal Investigation and Training, MAPIT, was born in 1974, with the sole intention of exploring UFO phenomena being reported in the UK. It soon grew to encompass many aspects of the paranormal and supernatural, and they claimed to have conducted many confidential investigations for city councils and citizens alike. Steve Mera is a member of MAPIT and a self-proclaimed sceptic. During his many years with MAPIT, he has conducted thousands of investigations, but believes that only a handful of experiences could not be explained away by rational, psychological or scientific means. What happened in the Rochdale poltergeist case frightened him so much that it made him question whether he was really cut out to be a paranormal investigator and whether he would ever really be ready to face true paranormal phenomena. And this is his story. Spooky spills scare family from home was the headline. And Steve laughed and shook his head as he glanced at the image of the family staring sadly at a water-damaged ceiling the dad with a mop in his hand. Sometimes even more bizarre than the paranormal is the cheesy photographs that journalists love to use for local newspapers. Something about this article interested Steve though. The Gardner family claimed that they were being mercilessly plagued by flooding in their household. So much so that their furniture and indeed quality of life was being destroyed. They claimed to have contacted the local council to help them find the source of the plumbing issues and no one had been able to figure out how or why their house was flooding at an alarming rate. They explained to the journalist that they believed the source of the water was paranormal, caused either by a poltergeist or the deceased husband of Vera Gardner, the matriarch of the household, who believed her past husband was angry that she had remarried after his death. They went on to explain that having run out of avenues to try and find a logical reason for the flooding, they had contacted a priest. Steve sat up. This was interesting. And these were exactly the type of cases that he loved. This was a family who had suffered at the hands of something for 10 months and had exhausted all logical means of understanding what was happening in their home. Steve decided that before doing anything else, he needed to call the council to confirm some of the finer details. The council confirmed that they had been working extensively with the Gardner family. The family was made up of Vera and her second husband Jim, and her adult daughter Jeanette. Becoming increasingly intrigued by their story, Steve left his details with the council and told them to give him a call if they or the family were interested in a paranormal investigation. And two days later, the phone rang. The council were worried. Two council representatives and Steve and his team sat around a boardroom table. The council relayed the story. The house was being damaged, but they could not figure out how, and they needed to determine what was actually happening in the home. Did they really believe it was a paranormal entity, 
Probably not. But they were concerned about how much this was costing them, and they were equally as concerned about more bad press. A little old woman opened the door to Steve and his two associates, Alicia and Peter. She took one look at them and promptly burst into racking sobs, trying desperately to talk through the tears. Steve tried to calm her down and explained to her that they were just here for an initial chat and a look around. The team entered the house and were immediately hit with a pungent aroma of wet dog. The house was tiny and the council had provided plastic sheeting to protect what little belongings the family had left. The team sat down in the plastic-covered sitting room with Vera and Jim and drank endless cups of tea while Vera settled in to tell them her story. As Vera began to talk, Steve scanned the room. There was nothing to indicate that the family had any interest in the paranormal. No paranormal books on the shelves, no indications of any spiritual leanings at all. Vera explained that she had been making sandwiches for lunch in her small kitchen when she heard the steady drip, drip, drip of water behind her. She turned, expecting to see the solitary drip of a leak from somewhere. But what she saw both alarmed and confused her. She looked up to the ceiling to see a sheen of water covering the entire space as though the room was its own ecosystem and the ceiling was a sky covered in rain clouds. She panicked. There must be a massive leak in the piping and then just as suddenly as it started, the rain stopped. The kitchen was soaked but the ceiling was bone dry as though the rain had formed and fallen from mid-air. Vera did what anyone would have done in her position and called the council to inform them of what had happened and to request a plumber. A completely thorough investigation was carried out and the loft was found to be dry and dusty. But more bizarrely, there weren't even any pipes that ran through the ceiling. So there was absolutely no way a burst pipe could have caused the mysterious flooding. The water issues continued and seemed to spread. Large, perfect circles of condensation would appear in the centre of doors or on walls. And at one point, a patch of condensation that was made up of huge water droplets appeared to shoot from one side of the room to the other, dodging backwards and forwards across the ceiling working its way around the ceiling light fitting, as though this water were sentient. Vera and Jim were perplexed, but continued to report their observations, determined to discover what the cause of the damp was. No one was successful, and the events took a sharp turn. Jim was awoken one night to an unfamiliar sound. He paused, and shook his head trying to establish what he was hearing. And his stomach dropped when he realised that he was hearing the unmistakable slapping of footsteps roaming slowly in and out of their bedroom. What was even more strange was that the footsteps were bare feet slapping against a wooden floor. But the floors in Jim and Vera's house had all been covered in sheets of plastic It was from this point onwards that the audible phenomena began to escalate. 
Vera would regularly hear knocking and scratching from inside the walls. The sounds predominantly happened at night time, but it was a sound heard during the day that heralded the time for Vera's blood to turn cold. As she was bustling around the house alone, she heard the unmistakable sound of a hoarse, rasping, gurgling cough from the room she had shared with her now-dead husband. Vera knew at this moment that her deceased husband was letting her know that he was displeased with her remarrying after his death. Vera would lay in bed and listen to the dry, rasping cough coming from the dark corner of her bedroom and couldn't count the amount of times her and Jim had checked the house from top to bottom, anticipating an intruder. During these searches, Vera and Jim would be followed by the distinct smell of tobacco that had been rolled with licorice papers. The sounds and knocking continued, and Vera would often hear a disembodied whistling around the house. Soon small objects were being flung around at an alarming speed. Teacups would fly off the table in front of them and shatter at the other side of the room and objects would disappear only to reappear randomly in completely strange places. Steve and his team listened quietly, and had now decided that they were definitely willing to do an investigation. As Vera and Jim were telling their tale, Steve had slipped an audio recorder beneath a cushion in the sitting room, and the team left the home. This was one of Steve's age-old tricks, and he had discovered hoaxes numerous times by doing this. The conversation that alleged haunting victims had immediately after the team left were always very telling. Around 20 minutes after the team had left, Steve knocked again on the door and explained to Vera that he had left a piece of equipment behind. Sitting in the van, Steve and the team listened to the recording. Vera, audibly upset could be heard saying, But do you think they'll be able to help us? When the team returned to the house two weeks later, the first thing they decided to do was climb into the loft to ensure that there really were no signs of leaking. The loft was bone dry and the team, Vera and Jim, sat in the kitchen drinking tea and discussing the plan of action for the investigation. Jeanette was the adult daughter of Vera and her deceased husband, and she had an intellectual disability. She lived at home happily with her mum and stepdad, but wasn't remotely interested in discussing the happenings with the investigators. Jeanette appeared at the kitchen door and simply said, It's happening again. The team followed her to the living room, where she pointed to a shimmering puddle on the ceiling. They watched as the puddle pulsated and sparkled. A long tendril of water would extend from the puddle almost like an appendage that would drag the rest of the water along with it. The team watched in amazement and Steve managed to gather himself enough to scoop a few drops of the water into a plastic bottle. For a minute, the anomaly stopped and vibrated in place and then evaporated into nothingness. The ceiling was left bone dry. The team were excited now. 
Whatever was happening in this little house was unlike anything they had ever seen before. No sooner had the water disappeared from the living room than Jim's voice was heard from the kitchen. I think you guys had better come and see this. Jim was standing in the kitchen with an umbrella over his head. And it was raining. Indoors. Steve stood mouth agape as the rain fell from the ceiling like a torrential rainstorm. How often does this happen? Steve asked in disbelief. A couple of times a week, Jim replied with a shrug of his shoulders. Hence the umbrella. As the rain evaporated from the ceiling, Vera bustled into the kitchen with a mop. The team left the house and set about researching the history of both the house and the area. But they could neither find anything untoward or any similar cases involving sentient water. They didn't even know where to start with this one. When they returned to the house, Vera and her family agreed to stay away for the night to give them some space to conduct their research. They set about filming each room so that they could have a reference point for the placement of items and took base temperature readings. Everything seemed normal. The team began their investigation as soon as possible and specifically in the daylight. They were perfectly aware that there was no reason why paranormal events would only happen at night time and equally as aware of the psychological impact of darkness on human perception. The team split up into groups and took the investigation room by room. Alicia and Steve sat in Jeanette's room and there was nothing to report. The house was calm and quiet. There was no oppressive atmosphere and no sense of danger, no sense of anxiety. Steve stood from the bed to leave the room when he felt an icy blast on his cheek and Alicia's voice whispered Are you alright, Stevie? Steve froze and looked up at Alicia who was stood in the doorway looking at him questioningly. The voice came from behind him like she was standing next to his ear and no one ever called him Stevie. The team alternated rooms. No one had heard the voice that Steve had heard, but they definitely all heard what happened next. The radio in Jeanette's room, which was unplugged, began to hiss and pop as though someone had turned it on. They converged in Jeanette's room, and the radio continued to crackle. The team stared, and as clear as day, a voice emerged from the static. John is watching. They immediately set about trying to find a logical explanation for John, and reasoned that perhaps the radio had picked up interference from a nearby taxi or truck radios. These seemed reasonable enough explanations until they checked the radio and realised that not only was it not plugged in, but it also had no batteries in it. There was no possible way that the radio could have even turned on, let alone picked up interference from somewhere. The team continued their investigation, 
and Steve found himself in the back bedroom where Vera used to sleep with her previous husband. It was quiet. The investigators were each in separate rooms, listening and waiting. Slowly and steadily, a noise began to fill the air around Steve. It was a rattling, rasping breath from behind him. He sat rigidly on the bed. The breath sounded human, but Steve knew that there was no one behind him. The blood pulsed in his ears and he listened to the breath rattling. Suddenly, there was a crash. It took Steve a second to figure out what was happening, but then he realised that he was the crash. Steve found himself on the other side of the room sprawled over the table. He didn't quite understand what had happened, but he knew he had been punched, the force of which had launched him across the room. He called out to his team and they rushed to his aid, helping him out of the house. On his back was a huge red welt that was already beginning to morph into a deep purple bruise. It took Steve 20 minutes to work up the courage to even step foot back inside the house. The investigation continued and the evidence was overwhelming. A small statue of the Greek goddess Themis appeared in the middle of the floor and no one could figure out where it came from. After reviewing the footage of the rooms, they could find no footage that contained the statue. Water droplets appeared in their hundreds on the kitchen door and then disappeared, leaving the door bone dry. There was a pungent smell of flowers that appeared and reappeared in different parts of the house. When Vera and Jim arrived home the next day, the team were eager to question them further. John was indeed Vera's previous husband's name and the small statue of Themis had been a little souvenir that they had brought home from holidays many years ago. Vera explained to the team that John had passed away in the back bedroom due to emphysema and had struggled to breathe for many years and had been confined to the bedroom. Vera also informed the team that John had a job that he loved He was a taxi driver. Steve wanted to come back for another investigation and the family agreed. If John was indeed haunting the house, then why now? After all these years? It was time to go and speak to the local priest. Reverend Jones spoke openly to Steve about his experiences inside the house and simply said, well, they obviously have a poltergeist. He went on to explain that he had requested an exorcism, but the church had declined, based on the idea that poltergeist events were neither location-based nor demonic, but rather they were attached to a human. It's the girl, Reverend Jones told Steve. Jeanette, in the paranormal community, there is a belief that teenage girls are often the focus of poltergeist activity. Steve had wondered whether Jeanette was the focus of the activity, Her intellectual disability left her vulnerable and childlike. But what Reverend Jones said next left Steve reeling. Jeanette had had a baby, and that baby was taken into care. She was allowed to see her little girl every two weeks, 
Originally, these visits took place in the home, but the presence of the child seemed to send the poltergeist into a frenzy and the activity became violent. Eventually, Jeanette began visiting her daughter outside of the home instead. While still reading from the development of the story, the results from the water sample came in. In fact, the lab rang to clarify whether both samples had come from the same household. Because Steve had taken a sample from the ceiling and another sample from the kitchen tap. The kitchen tap sample was normal standard tap water. The ceiling water, however, had a rate of UCSMs that was completely unheard of. UCSMs measure the electrical charge of water. Water naturally picks up a small amount of electricity as it passes through copper piping and a reading between 70 and 110 is perfectly normal. The ceiling water had a reading of exactly 1,323. The lab couldn't explain it. Steve sat in a boardroom opposite five members of the Rochdale County Council. Some members visibly smirked when Steve introduced himself and had clearly come along to the meeting for the laugh. By the end of the meeting, no one was laughing. The smirks had disappeared and the council decided to quietly move the family to a different house in the hope that the disturbances would end. Perhaps Reverend Jones was right and the poltergeist is attached to the person and not the household. Jeanette faced a terrible trauma that no person should have to face. So was it possible that the poltergeist activity was actually manifested by her. And it wasn't really the ghost of her dead father. Maybe it just manifested in a way that she could understand. Around eight months after the family moved, Jim called Steve. The activity was happening again. Items were being thrown and smashed, and Steve had a hunch he knew why. He visited the family when Jeanette was out and set up some hidden cameras in the house. The cameras showed that Jeanette had been throwing items and smashing them. The family then recognised that they needed to work with Jeanette to help her to understand what had happened to her. And while there was evidence that Jeanette was responsible for the phenomena in the new household, the phenomena in the old household remains a mystery. You can't make it rain and then everything be dry where the rain's coming from. Like, you can't do that. I have never heard a story like this before. It's so mad. And all of my research came from a book called The Rochdale Poltergeist, A True Story by Jenny Ashford and Steve Mera. And obviously, as with any of these books, I left out enormous chunks of it because I'm not going to... Might as well just read you the book yeah. if that was the case. So it's on Amazon Kindle. Um, I Did got you it. say Prime then? I nearly said Prime. <laughs> I got it for free because I have one of those Kindle Unlimited thing. And it's a really interesting read. It's a short read, but it is interesting. It's well written. I would highly recommend having a read of it. And I think, as far as I'm aware, Steve Mera approached Jenny Ashford because he had read another book that she had written and said, I have a story and I'd like you to write it down for me. So I know you're going to tell me that the only evidence of this is in Steve's book and he was the one that's there, right? So in the book, there are lots of pictures that they took at the scene. There's a letter 
from the lab that's that outlines the oh, right, okay. crazy electrical readings of the water. This happened, I think, in the early 90s. Oh, I thought it was earlier than that. Um, I feel like it was the early 90s, but I can't quite remember. So, I mean, in terms of evidence, the evidence is pretty scant. They didn't have all the fancy things that ghost hunters have nowadays. But they did... They I mean, did... thank goodness. Like, I don't yeah. want to see no SLS videos, to be honest with you. Pure shite. <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting way to start to say I've investigated thousands of cases and there's literally a handful that I think cannot be explained by science or Someone by psychology. Someone else said that. We, we had a story from recently as well. I think that's... I would say that as a qualifying statement if I wanted someone to believe my story. Probably. Actually, you are right. If you desperately want someone to yeah. believe your crazy paranormal story, you'd be like... I ordinarily I don't believe it. in this stuff. The Exorcist. Oh, the guy we talked about on Patreon. Mm. Oh, interesting. He said a similar kind of thing, where he's like, oh yeah, most of the time they're not possessed, but this particular possession... That I was involved in was absolutely true. And made me question whether I wanted to be an exorcist anymore. It's. I'd love to do an episode on tulpas. So a tulpa is where you think something into being, which is a very you thing to say. Yep. But Jeanette went through a hideous trauma. Absolutely. And like, they almost, they debunked it in the new place because it was her, wasn't it? Yeah, it was literally her. Yeah. It was her throwing Which things. is fine. And, you know, I was kind of expecting that anyway. But she still can't conjure rain. No, she can't. And she wasn't in and the house. And if she can, there's some places around the world that could do with it. <laughs> she wasn't in the house when they conducted their investigation. So, you know, she came in the first when they went in to meet yeah. the family and she said, oh, it's happening again. And the rain was moving. This this puddle of rain was moving around the ceiling. How can any human do that? And the laboratory said that, yes, you could electrically charge water. Absolutely. But it would be incredibly difficult for any lay person, not a scientist, to be able to do it. So I've got written in green pen, dead husband, question mark i.e. the spirit of the dead husband doing the portugaistian, portugaistian, portugaist stuff. I also have aliens. We have a question mark. Why? Well, because I feel like that's a very alien thing to do, conjure water out of nowhere. They got the technology to charge water. Why would they bother? Because it's scary. Just to to fuck with people? Yeah. Do you think it's like alien alien big brother? Yeah, oh, we went we went down completely different roads yeah. there. But what if they're like really tiny spaceships and actually that's the water, the rain was just like how they power their ships. Well, so that's like mad. Condensation coming that is a mad, and it's been a while, but that was completely <laughs> not what I expected you to say. You've you've thrown me. I couldn't deal with this kind of poltergeistism. Poltergeist. It would really wind me up. I have to say. Uh, what's what is the poltergeist activity? How do you describe that? Poltergeist activity. Oh, okay, there must be one word for it. Poltergeistry, I'm going to go for. Poltergeistry is good. I like that. We'll um, keep that. Because it would be well annoying getting wet all the time. It would be well annoying cleaning the water up. But I couldn't stand the smell of wet dog. Just living in that smell, that constant smell. Like, it's not a smell I like at the best of times, but just not being able to get rid of it. Oh, yeah, you'd be really annoyed. And there were... So I read a story similar to this recently. And there are lots of people who commented that, oh, they just wanted a new house. So they did it themselves. 
I mean, I, I'd imagine that there's easier way to con the council than pretending that water is alive in your household. Yeah, absolutely. And allowing needed, people to come in and film just needed in your a house. genuine flood. Like, that's all it needed. Yeah. And she didn't want to leave her house. No. She specifically said, I've lived here for 14 years. Yeah. Why would I want to leave? This is my home. And who has got the ability to be able to do that? That's some trickery. That's some, like, Nikola Tesla stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that, there's some thought that's gone into yeah. that. That is not just, like, leave the taps running. We'll just flood the house and then they'll have to move us. Like I liked the little uh, proof trick that Steve did, leaving his little tape recorder behind to see whether... Oh, I don't know how I felt about that. I don't know. I... It was only 20 minutes though, wasn't it? Like it yeah, wasn't... he didn't leave it for days. He... he just wants to see what the instant reaction is, I guess, when they when they leave. And according to him, generally, you will have people say things like, do you think they believed us? Yeah. Not, if you're not help, do you like, think they're going to help us? us? Yeah. I said a very, very intriguing story. There's obviously a spirit there, isn't there? Because you've got all the footsteps and the icy breath and why is he mimicking Alicia's voice, whatever that spirit is. There's some kind of spirit skullduggery going on in this place potentially skullduggery again is a very interesting word <laughs> are you okay i'm just not i'm trying to i'm trying to widen my vocabulary oh interesting but i'm using the wrong words so that's not really working but no, there's obviously some it. some kind of you know spirit hijinks going on here and i i do think it was probably a haunting of the house because it doesn't really sound like it followed them like they said the activity continued didn't they but actually it turned out it was just Jeanette yeah stuff. it didn't it absolutely didn't continue and the but the ha- haunting in the house itself stopped okay. after they left so Steve went back to the house and he knocked on the door and said hi I'm here doing a survey we've had previous issues with um strange happening in this house because of leakages in the pipes and i'd like to ask you some questions and the woman was like i don't know what you're talking about we haven't had any leaks and was really so so can i just clarify that please you can you don't have rainfall in your kitchen on a bi-weekly basis do you have an umbrella (laughs) stocked in your kitchen just in case it starts to rain indoors no brilliant tick that box next question be coughing coming from the darkness in your bedroom no okay excellent news What's that got to do with leaking pipes? Uh, don't know. D- uh, damp causes consumption. We're just making sure you're all okay. That's all we're doing. So yeah, I feel like it. Probably, I feel like potentially it was her ex, the spirit of her ex-husband. Actually, I know I gave you that alien stuff, but I know you're only winding me yeah. up. Yeah, um, I do feel like it was the spirit of her ex-husband. There's too many little nods to him, isn't there? But then, do you? I don't understand why it was so funny that he was a taxi driver, though. Because the sound on the radio came so, through the radio. Oh, okay. Like, and they had hypothesized that it had come from a taxi. Oh, and it turned out he was actually. And it turns out he was a taxi driver. But and I kind of I wonder. I wonder if he was just angry that Jeanette got pregnant. That, that happened under when he wasn't there, and they didn't look after her properly. Maybe, or maybe it was Jeanette's trauma. She didn't know how. If she, not if she had, she clearly had an intellectual disability. Maybe she didn't have a way to express herself. And express how she was feeling about, first of all, having a child. I don't know the the circumstances in which she had a child. I don't even want to think about it. And then having that child taken away. Maybe she couldn't express herself. And all of her emotion came out in the manifestation of all this mad stuff that happened in the house. You do realise if this was a comic book, she would have been taken away for testing and given adamantium claws, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Mm. She would have been an X-Man. I mean, that's a pretty full-on tulpa, right? Yeah. That's that is full on, and it's so weird. Like, in what horror film do you see it raining in the kitchen? 
I don't know whether it would scare me. I just think it would annoy me. Like, I'd be a bit like, I'd be scared at first, but I think after a while, I'd just be like, you've just got to stop. Like, this is just, this isn't even like, you're not even scaring me anymore. You just I just want to sit down on a dry sofa. Imagine it being sunny outside, but raining in your kitchen. <laughs> I was that. <laughs> so annoyed. Like, it's the ultimate pathetic fallacy, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not down with this one at all. Um, I'm glad the council moved them though because I, I feel like a lot of these stories the council don't do enough so I'm glad they took them seriously and, and moved them on I think that's important but yeah raining indoors and I don't know if that's if that's Jeanette she's got some superpowers hasn't she that's, I mean that's some crazy yeah. powers if if she had the capacity to do that I don't Whoa. think it was I think it was her dad reacting to that trauma so you think it, it, they were actually haunted by her dad yeah I think it was her but I don't know why it stopped I in either instance I don't know why it stopped and you realise that actually your answer is as crazy as mine, don't you? This yep. time? Yeah, I sure do. Mm. Would you like some new reviews? Let's do this. Well, no, you can't because I don't have any. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, well, first of all, my laptop has stopped connecting to the internet. So when I went to connect to the internet, it turns out Chartable, which is what I use to get our reviews, has decided that it's not going to let me see my reviews until I pay them. So I have to decide whether or not I want to do that. And uh, so there's no reviews this week. I'm sorry. Just read some of our tunes. But I'm sure that you guys have left gorgeous reviews. Uh, I mean, if you haven't, then that's fine too. We appreciate it if you do. And we will read them at some point. Um, Just technology, really. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We have a Facebook group too. We have all sorts of things going on. You can find the links to all of our social medias on our website, which is reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can find the links to all of our different merchandise. All of our merchandise is made by fans and all the money goes to fans. So if you want to buy some merchandise, you can do so. Reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you want to support our podcast in a monetary way, you can do so by signing up to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. And for $5 a month, you get heaps of extra content. I think we're on 65 extra episodes. And for $2 a month, you get the complete back catalogue of 50p movie club. Yeah, boy. The links for everything that you need for every episode, including research, including Patreon links and website links is all in the description of this episode. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.